you know, it's the last frontier. I mean, who can explore death and what's on the other side and, uh, and, and let us know? Nobody, right? Except world religions. Uh, one religion has claim to uh, deaths and resurrections. Others, you know, they speculate about what's on the other side. But the point is, it's the one, it's the last great mystery. And if you're going to write horror, where does fear, where do those creepy feelings live? Well, pretty much everybody fears death. Welcome to Speculative Sandbox, your audio playground for creative storytellers. My name is Vicki Lawn, and each episode, I and a guest will unpack a fiction trope with an eye for character development and narrative structures. Make sure to look for Speculative Sandbox on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Leave comments or questions, or let us know what other tropes we should cover. When the real world just doesn't cut it, let's get lost in a fictional one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Resurrection is defined as the act of restoring a dead person to life. For today's episode, author John James Minster and I look at all the ways a dead person can be restored, including the realistic, like medical revivals, to the fantastic, like Frankenstein's monster, zombies, and vampires. We even explore religious and cultural interpretations of a revived soul in different forms, like reincarnation and spirits. How far can we go to defy the permanence of death? And will we ever truly know what happens to us after we've passed? John James Minster, thank you so much for joining Speculative Sandbox. Can we get started by learning a little bit about yourself and your latest projects? Oh, hi, Vicky. Thanks for having me. Uh, real pleasure. I follow you guys uh, uh, closely on Instagram and whatnot. And um, just wanted to uh, uh, where I'm at. It's well, I have a book that got published uh, October 31st, so Halloween release. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, its title is The Undertaker's Daughter, a novel of supernatural horror. Okay. And that is out there. Um, there's reviews are piling in, there's something like 60 reviews on uh, on Goodreads and nice, nice job, and whatnot. That's so, nice. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, starting to get uh, feedback and um, and I have another one that is finished and will be submitted to uh, publishers. And it's the title is The Vengeful Dead, but it's actually a collection of nine short stories, uh, each one wholly different. But there's a common thread that dead doesn't mean gone. And uh <laughs> Sometimes they have uh, axes to grind. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty fun stuff. How long does it take you to complete a novel? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, like the the Undertaker's daughter. I wanted to write about the subject matter, which was golem. If you're familiar with the term golem, mm-hmm. and I did some heavy duty research, and then. I sat in front of a formatted Word document and in my spooky writing chamber and said, what am I going to write about? Golem. And within 60 seconds, the entire story, the characters, the plot, I could see their faces. I could see the interactions. The entire thing came to me in 60 seconds. Then it took maybe... I don't know. We'll say with with the copy edits and the back and uh, you know, you know re- revisions, catching my own errors and fixing them. Maybe sixty hours to write it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, not long. 
So I I have a theory. I have like a fantastical theory about when that happens. Cause I, for the last two years, have been trying to write a manuscript. And even though logistic, like logic wise, it all made sense. It was a natural progression. I couldn't write it because I couldn't see it like in my head. And then less like back in December, a new idea hit me and suddenly I saw everything. And I, within a month, had it entirely outlined and chapter summaries and world built. And to me, it's like, it's a different experience when you're seeing it versus when you're trying to force it. And I'm always wondering, like, when I'm in the process of seeing it, it's like I'm peering through into an alternate parallel universe where all these events actually happened. I'm just now translating it for other people to read. Oh my gosh. Well, so, so perfectly crystallized. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like a mini movie Mm -hmm. in your head. And and your job as author is to, you know, obviously the written communication is so much different than visual. It's to, to find the right words to evoke the same emotions we feel when watching that mental movie. Yeah, exactly. So now when I see, people struggling with writer's block, I always hesitate to give advice because I don't know if it's because like for me, the writer's block was because I didn't find that alternate universe yet, you know, and I guess that's what I need to fuel my writing. And maybe some people need it and some people don't, but I, I learned a lot about myself these last couple of years. I'm just grateful to have found that window again. So what, what is the, um, genre? The genre that I'm going into is uh, science fiction it's post-apocalyptic it's I, I take a little bit from my my real life's experience which is local government and I'm asking myself what would happen if people tried to recreate local government in the post-apocalypse what is a positive optimistic post-apocalypse uh experience versus right now I'm watching the last of us and it's a very you know militarized state state of a post-apocalypse I'm like let's have fun with this like Let's create something that is almost like Parks and Recreation, the TV show, um, in this desolate kind of landscape. And I realized I really liked that. What I was trying to make happen over the last two years was more atmospheric horror. And maybe I just don't have the, maybe I just don't have access to that alternate universe. It wasn't quite visibly showing up to me. But anytime I think of speculative futuristic scenarios, that crystal clear there 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 you go no that's that's uh perfect i mean william golding lord of the flies what happens when uh kids descend into their own governance mm-hmm. uh stephen king the stand uh, they start over and form their own government so it's uh and look how well the stand did out there yeah, yeah you know um well, and I really like the nuances and almost humor too of local government interactions. You know, the 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 comedy of bureaucracy, and being able to kind of take real life experiences from that and kind of set it in this area. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, thank you for having that discussion with me. I thought it was an interesting kind of look. Yeah. No. And and um. It's good that you can draw on actual experiences. I can honestly say if anyone reads The Undertaker's Daughter and listens to this podcast, none of the experiences in that <laughs> book relate to anything real in my life. So disclaimer. Uh, like, uh, yeah, a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before people think uh, the author's nuts. Uh, no, uh, this is all a vision that came to me like a dreams. I, I also write stories based on nocturnal dreams that's not right just and your, a lot of your bio is about dreams so tell me a little bit about your experience your like overall experience with dreams yeah well they're constant they're every night uh i never need to subscribe to a netflix uh, horror channel because i have it all night every night for my entire life i i don't have pleasant dreams i have nightmares i don't know why mm-hmm. um but they're very detailed and I remember them like memories of actual events. Uh, you know how people, when they wake, the the day crashes in and they forget uh, mm-hmm. what they were dreaming about. Not me. Wow. <laughs> they stay with me like actual memories. So I can remember dreams from when I was six years old. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, nightmares. So did that stress you out when you were a kid? No, yeah, and okay. it doesn't stress me out now. It it's who knows what dreams are. No one can really. They're kind of like a screensaver on your computer. How it <laughs> takes blobs and and mashes them together, and they make no sense, but um, there's some pattern to it. Mm -hmm. And and maybe it's just the mind's pressure valve. Um, but man, mine is just so weird and clear. You know these uh -huh. these threads uh, and. Yeah, I've turned them into uh, stories and sold some of those stories. So, well, you good know. for you for turning that into something profitable. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, I'm stuck with it. So, that's right. Uh, yeah, you got like a really good, like a energy tap or a resource, and it's unique to you. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. so um, I have some rapid fire warm up questions for you. These are questions that I don't believe I sent you because I came up with them after I sent you questions. So uh, this is to just get people warmed up. And I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six questions. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. What is your favorite day of the week and why? Favorite day of the week? Um, uh, probably saturday saturday is the favorite day of the week um because uh there is no alarm mm -hmm. <laughs> that's nice. why so that's can, it so your dreams could last longer exactly there you go. exactly sometimes uh, the alarm pulls me out of uh one particularly interesting scene and i resent that okay yeah fill in the blank taylor swift is sold out oh <laughs> Okay. Would you want invisibility powers or super strength? Super strength. Okay. If you could be reincarnated into anything other than a human, if reincarnation was your, you know, afterlife form, what would it be? A raptor of some kind, eagle or a bird of prey. Okay. You have a guaranteed food source and you could fly high and look down. Exactly. at everyone else <laughs> exactly you mate for life you're it, it's almost like being human without all the uh extra worries without the, without the bureaucracy <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> have you ever had an encounter with someone that made you think that was supernatural yes Ooh, what was it my eighth grade social studies teacher um uh, the first house i bought turned out to be directly across the street from my eighth grade uh, history and social studies teacher, uh, who's now an, uh, an old man. And uh, I started life as an electrician uh, by trade. And he approached me and he said, John, I, I have a problem I need your help with. I said, sure, Ben, what is that? And he said, um, I have these, he, 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 let me just sort of set the stage. His, his home is ancient. It's been there for a couple hundred years, this big old stone house. And, uh, apparently his ancestors owned hundreds and hundreds of acres in the area. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then little by little they sold it off. Uh, but he was living in the original homestead, which had these old electrical switches uh that click you know now everything's silent you know switches are silent but back then uh when uh, ac first happened and the switches were click uh -huh. you know <laughs> yeah so he said uh i need you to replace all the switches in my house uh, and i said sure no problem i'll stop by home depot and bring us some switches and i'll do that for you so as I'm in there replacing his switches, I said, um, you, I, I said, Ben, you've been here for your entire life. I would think by now you're kind of used to it. Why, why do you want to replace the switches now? They work. I mean, these are like classic mm -hmm. switches. He said, well, uh, and he has this, he had this big old black lab Labrador retriever. And he said, well, and it's all like one floor, like his bedroom and the bathroom, and the kitchen, they're all on this bottom floor. And he said, um, well, what happens is uh, I 
I sort of reverse course. I turn out the light in the kitchen, turn out the light in the living room. I leave the light on in the hallway while I use the bathroom. I turn the hallway light off, the bathroom light off. And the last light I turn off is in the bedroom. And in the dark, I climb into bed and Molly, the dog sits at the foot of the bed uh, and um, on the floor. And for the last uh, few months during the night, Molly wakes me up growling. And then I hear the switch going off. Oh, which switch? Well, that's the thing. I, I asked him, I said, is it? which switch i mean if it was the bedroom the lights would wake you up he goes i don't know because i i get out of bed i reverse course uh, uh i look out and everything's dark but the dog is growling <gasps> every night and i keep hearing the switches i said oh okay um so you feel that your house is haunted he said John, I don't know what it is, um, but the dog knows it's uh, a problem and uh, it keeps waking me up on losing sleep. So thank you for replacing the switches. And and a week later, I checked in with him and he said, um, everything's great. I've been sleeping. And uh, he said, I, I guess I've learned to live with whatever's in this house. Yeah, because it's not waking up his dog anymore with this the clicking. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I know that that's. I'm not a ghost guy. I don't generally get turned on by ghost stories, and and um, think there's much to it. But this was real, and and if you knew Ben, you know, he is the most uh, guy's almost ninety years old and as sharp as a tack uses an iPad, does everything online. I mean, this guy is sharp and well, sounds, sober. It sounds like he was super logical too. He, it's like, I'm not questioning this. I just need my dog to stop growling. I need to sleep, fix my light switches, or at least make them quiet, and then we'll yep. move on. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Okay. In the spirit of our topic on resurrections, do you know anyone that's died and come back? No. Okay. No. All right. I don't. Well, thank you for answering my rapid fire warm ups. Let's move on to our topic. So, what interests you in the resurrections topic? Well, it is the last frontier, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, there's when you're writing horror stories, which is the only, uh, uh, I mean, I read outside of horror, but I only write horror. It's what, what's fascinated me since childhood. Um, you know, it's the last frontier. I mean, who, 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 who can explore death and what's on the other side and, uh, and, and let us know nobody, right. Except world religions. Uh, one religion, uh, has claimed to, uh, deaths and resurrections. Mm -hmm. Um, others, you know, they speculate about what's on the other side, but the point is it's the one it's the last great mystery. And if you're going to write horror, um, where does where does fear, where do those creepy feelings live? Well, pretty much everybody fears death. And even more so, they fear what's on the other side after death. Mm. So that's what I write about. That's it. It fascinates me. I've made it a life study, all these different religions. I read about them all. And uh, a lot of that comes out in my stories. So before I ask my next question, I want to tell you a story. And I don't know if it's story is the right word. This is something that happened to me. So when I was very, very young and it happened before I was the age of four and I can't, I tend to kind of just group it in that weird nebulous time frame when your brain is kind of, you know, foggy and you don't, you can't really retain memories and dreams and you suddenly yeah. become self-aware, right? When you're like in kindergarten and you're like, oh, hi. Um, but <laughs> be before that, when everything is just kind of new, I had a very distinct dream. It was me running around in a garden and there were a couple other kids with me and we were all wearing 
like bonnets and aprons over flower dresses. It was like kind of, I don't even know what time frame I'm pulling that from, but it was a beautiful garden. And in the center of the garden was a shed. And me and the other kids were running from somebody, a man, I'm guessing. We were running from him and we're screaming and screaming and screaming. And finally, he catches me as I'm running around the shed and he shoves me down on the ground. And he's essentially what my little brain could, you know, understand is he's trying to kill me. And then right when I die in the dream, I wake up. Exactly. And I like, I was young. Like I did not understand. Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you at that time. Oh yeah. I was wearing this outfit and this outfit and it was this time frame, And I got it from this movie. Like it wasn't like that at all. It was a, an image. It was an experience that I continue to have today. Very vivid. Um, that memory hasn't faded and it's perplexed me. And then I started seeing a lot of stories online where other children are saying really interesting, perplexing things relating to past lives, seeing their like grandparents in pictures, you know what I mean? Like uh, old historic events and talking about it very nonchalantly as if it's no big deal, but only when they're in that very young age. What are your thoughts on those kinds of experiences? Yeah, well, it's it's mixed. I, I mean, again, there's that pressure valve. We all have those dreams where we die and then we wake up or about to die and, and then we wake up. Um, that's probably pretty universal. But, um, you know, again, I, I turn to uh, world religions. Uh, you know, the, this is where recorded history began. It's all about world religion. Um. So for thousands of years, people have been uh, recording things about dreams and, and the other side. So um, we know that your spirit, your mind, your intellect, and then that thing that drives you inside, that spark of life, whatever that is, spirit, soul, is laid bare. Yeah, you, you, you cannot bargain with it. Uh, you cannot uh, uh, fill it with uh, comforting narratives to help you through the day. It's just bare. It's naked. It's vulnerable. And that apparently is when the spirit world communicates with people. That's what's been recorded in scriptures. Okay. Right. So um, it's possible that uh, you know, spirits, uh, from, from another realm can communicate with people in their dreams. Can other people communicate with people in their dreams? Like, uh, Anton Zandor LaVey's 1970s church of Satan claimed that, um, they could cast certain spells, uh, and get to people, enemies, etc., when they're asleep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but, in in major world religions, spirits communicate with people in their sleep. Um, it's not necessarily your dead relative that's communicating with you. It's a spirit maybe dressed as a dead relative to lower your guard and communicate with you. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, because most of the religions uh, believe that um, the spirit uh, one is is asleep until it faces judgment, uh, or in the case of Judaism, a mass resurrection where the disembodied spirit is returned to a renewed, alive body, the same one, the same one that you had two thousand years ago, uh, which is now dust, uh, gets reanimated and the soul rejoins with it. Um, and is that yeah. like me going into fiction, the mummy, <laughs> the movie, the mummy where they revive the mummy and he just gets his soul as is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, uh, he, he gets his soul, but he's still wrapped up and rotting, uh, until he does certain things, kills people. And then, <laughs> then he yeah. gets like a normal body, <laughs> but, uh, he gets his old handsome body back, uh, mm -hmm. but he has to do all kinds of bad things to get it. Um, but, uh, you know, Christianity believes that the spirit sleeps uh, until judged. And if judgment is passed, 
a new body in a very new place um not earth not earth yeah yeah gotcha so um you know it's all different beliefs but sure um you know i guess they're psychologists and whatnot that try to interpret dreams um but that's a <laughs> better odds at a casino of hitting the mark yeah. uh yeah it could be from a, a spiritual realm or it could just be your own nonsense screensaver blowing off tension yeah let's talk about the different types of of returning and and i have the term resurrection as the main title but i guess in many ways it's really about returning. And I look to probably the the most normalized form of resurrection. We don't even think of resurrection is in the symbolism of our sun. And you look into Greek mythology and how there's everything's very cyclical, the seasons, Apollo pulling the sun across the sky, dying at the end of the day, rebirth in the morning. Um, the, one, the differences that I came up with were, were aside from, you know, the literal resurrection was also reincarnation. Um, and you've mentioned all of these, but I figure we can go over like some examples. So dead and then reborn in a different body revival, realistic. So dead and then brought back in the same body. And that I think of medical drama as real life, uh, revival, fantastical, you were dead and then you were brought back in the same body, but something is different about you. Uh, whether you have more magical powers, you're a zombie, you're a vampire, something of the, that sort. And then ghost, you're dead, but only your spirit came back. So which one do you want to tackle first? Um, the uh, uh, you come back different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so so Hindu, uh, many of the Hindu sects uh, believe in in a and and to a large degree, uh, Buddhists, uh, uh, almost an endless cycle of life, death, rebirth. Um, many of the Hindu sects believe that, um, uh, the rebirth, depending on what type of character you had in the last life, if you were a really, really good person, your next cycle may be as a higher animal, like a bull the Brahma bulls, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's why they, they don't, uh, they respect those, those bulls walk around with the same rights as any pedestrian. Nobody harms them. You know, it's because mm -hmm. they, they feel it's a reborn human. Um, and if you didn't do a good job in this life, you come back like a worm, a worm, a fly. I mean, there's one uh, Hindu sect, uh, the Jains, J A I N S. Um, the Jains that have money hire someone uh, to walk in front of them down the city streets, sweeping the ground so that they do not accidentally step on an insect because they believe those insects are reincarnated people. Mm, that's a really nice way to extend empathy towards all creatures by having it like directly related to you, the self. Uh, rather than like seeing life as this hierarchy where you can just kill anything that you consider beneath you. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and then um, uh, some, some believe that the creator um, and obviously there's lots of uh, people that don't, that believe this all happened through natural forces. The fact that you and I are talking as a result of, billions of years of uh, happy accidents uh, but others believe in an intelligent designer and that the intelligent designer is also very creative and loving and compassionate um, and uh, uh, you know it, it's we're we're like a bio programmer okay. think of computers okay mm -hmm. um uh, what is a computer? It's a, it's a, a, a collection of parts. And when electricity is introduced, it has a simple operating system. Uh, it can't do much. Okay. It's, it's, it, it accepts simple commands, run, turn off, etc. It's not until some loving creative programmer creates something in, and, and, and installs it inside that box 
that you get something exciting and useful. Um, some people believe that uh, the bio programmer, the ultimate programmer, um, uh, creates uh, programs and installs them in bio boxes. You and I are are, are in inside bio boxes with a uh, an expiration date. So, um, and then what happens to the program after? Well, if it, you know, like I think tr the movie Tron Legacy with Jeff Bridges mm -hmm. uh, is is a metaphor for this belief. You know, um, Clue turned out to be a bad program that opposed the pro the the bio programmer, right? the great programmer. Uh, the parallel between God and Satan and Tron Legacy uh, between. Uh, you know the the main character and and then this clue program mm -hmm. uh that seeks only to corrupt all the other programs into its way of thinking a lust for power you know it it's it truly is an amazing uh parallel so um given that uh the resurrection uh in the case of you know, somebody who's bad, a criminal, a murderer, some some horrible. This is the Mary Shelley model, I'll call it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Victor Frankenstein uh, needed genetic material, so he, he got what he could get, criminals, and chopped them up and sewed them together and introduced uh, life. Uh, and maybe he was thinking he was just going to get a simple operating system uh, that would obey simple commands. But instead, somehow the wires got crossed and the criminals program got reinstalled in this sewn together criminal body. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it no matter what Victor Frankenstein intended, no, it, it didn't matter to the to the monster. Uh, it it had criminal intent from <laughs> from its creation. So speaking speculatively with resurrection, if at the point of death your soul goes somewhere, then when your body is resurrected, is your body what comes first? Your soul re-entering your body, or your body gets resurrected and calls your soul? What are your thoughts on like what informs the other in the case of resurrection? Yeah, well, uh, apparently, you know, again, the body is just a a, a bio box okay. with an expiration date. So the soul came from somewhere else. It goes into the box. The box expires. The soul goes back to where it came from. And then it moves on uh, through to, to the next box, if you will. Okay. If you, if you were given the ability to be resurrected, would you want your own body back or would you want a different box? Um, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, no, I'd, I'd, I'd want the same one, you know, um, mm -hmm. maybe a couple inches taller. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. I haven't seen this show in its entirety. Um, it plays in my house a lot, Altered Carbon on Netflix. Uh, I believe this is me. <laughs> one of these days I should do one of these summaries where I haven't actually watched any of it, but I should tell you what I think it's about. <laughs> That's what this is right now. Um, Alter Carbon, what I think is happening is that your brain gets or your soul or something gets re-downloaded into a new frame. And it so like each season is a different actor playing the same guy. Um, to me, I'm like, that makes sense because... When you've left your body at the time of death, your body gets gross. Like I wouldn't want to go back in it unless going back in it means a rejuvenation of of the the organs. But I feel like by then the damage is done. So then I'd be like, okay, I'd be down to just be reinserted into a bot. And then, you know, maybe I can choose for myself what I want the bot to look like. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I haven't seen it, but that's a really interesting premise. And now that you put it that way, no, I would not want my same aging body back. I would want 
you know, if I could resemble myself so that people recognize me, but, uh, you know, I'm made of some sort of, uh, dark matter that, uh, is impervious to cold and aging and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'd want that obviously not the same old, uh, uh, meat puppet. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about realistic revival. Um, that's, you know, when someone's flatlined and, they get revived and they they're back. Right. And there's so many cases where people talk about, they were, had a sense of peace and serenity. And, you know, there's a lot of interpretations of what that could have meant. And then I've seen medical articles talking about how, um, Oh, uh, apparently in the last week or so, someone died getting a brain scan and at the brain scan, they, the parts of your brain where memory takes place lit up. And so they talk about how this is why so many people might see things like right when they're going or, at, you know, right before the point of death, they, they things seem peaceful or they see old family members. It's because your memory section of your brain is working. That not that interesting? That is. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I, um, yeah, I, you hear that, that life, uh, when you, you're, when your brain your cognitive brain is certain life is going to end that uh you all your memories sort of download all at once and reel in front of you and fast fast forward or whatever but um you know i i've read other stories uh from people that basically flatlined and came back that that there was nothing at all so yeah no that's it's it's interesting yeah um, because you also talk about head trauma, like when uh, so many times people with head trauma won't remember certain things. And that's supposed to be, I mean, for various reasons, but a popular theory is that's the brain protecting you. Um, same with just general trauma, but the idea that you have memory loss at that moment. So then you've got, you know, two schools of thought. You have, you, you experience all these great memory things at a point of extreme trauma, or you don't have anything at all. It's nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Um well, you know, from a physiological standpoint, um, the brain is the last organ to admit defeat. So, um, you know, if in, in one of my stories, a guy throws himself in a wood chipper. So, um, Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's driven to it. He's, oh, he's, okay. he's haunted. Um, Ouch. so so feet first he drops in so i had to do some research uh so that i could make that story pop uh, -huh. uh and apparently the the brain is it it doesn't get the memo like you you have all this cellular death and all these toxins being dumped as your body is is um suffering such trauma um and the brain does not get the message that death is certain. Okay. It it's the last to admit that I'm not going to recover from this. So people cling to life to the very last second Ooh. in cases of trauma. Yeah, it happens. Uh, there's, you know, I had to do a deep dive uh, um, in order to write that, finish that story. I feel like people are going to learn a lot about human anatomy when they read your work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, horror is, uh, there's a gore element, uh, mm -hmm. to, to horror, not that it's the, <laughs> it, it's the main focus, but, um, yeah, there's gore is involved for sure. And yeah, it's why, because it scares people. Mm -hmm. Oh right? yeah. I've been worried my, I, when I was a kid, when I was six, I remember having this fear that a skeleton would come into my bedroom and chop me in half. Like I was really worried about my stomach because I was like, that's where the skeleton is going to chop me up. Just, I, yeah. And I, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, Edgar Allan Poe, my brother from another mother, favorite author, um, pit in a pendulum, you know, that blade swinging down onto his stomach Ugh. what a way to go right 
And, it, uh, it makes sense that we'd be all worried about that. These are really vulnerable points of con- like, I was also scared of exposing my wrists when I was in my neck, you know? Um, and I think these are all valid things that your brain's like, keep trying to stay safe. Yeah. Right. The, the brain, uh, uh, once those uh the once those super vulnerable areas protected and yeah i mean the, the history shows uh, a long and and gory um uh history of people being sawed in half in a hollow log and impaled and it it gut pain is the worst of all right yeah so i can oh. see why if you're going to have a nightmare that would be it yes all right. Anything else you want to add about Revival Realistic before we move on to Revival Fantastical? No, no, I think we covered it. Like I say, the Mary Shelley, uh, Mary Shelley model, um, you know, reanimated corpses with a, a criminal bent um, is always scary and always popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, vampires and werewolves. Um, I think they were based on real not not real like vampires aren't real and werewolves aren't real but serial killers have always been around this is not some new thing mm-hmm. so um uh yeah i don't i don't cater much to vampire and werewolf stories it's not scary because it's just it's humans in small towns preying on other humans and then no one all the fingers are pointing and no one can believe it's one of their own doing it so they make up so they make up a creature and then after a few generations that that story gets passed down and you tell a lie for a number of hundreds of years it becomes real Mm -hmm. so those things don't don't cater to the horror world in in my book i mean i found twilight very entertaining (laughs) but i (laughs) think i I think there's a 13 year old girl in me yeah, Stephanie Meyer, and then and then the movies. Uh, I, I, uh, this girl that worked for me, she she gave me a plaque when she left. T Y O G. She called me thirteen year old girl because I was such a Twilight fan. But I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was a you know a young intern, but uh, she just couldn't believe that I so got into it. But um, I did. It's very entertaining, but. No, it's but not it's horror. Not, it's not scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. vampires and werewolves are just crazy lure based on real murderers. No, it's very true, especially when you think of like zombies. But right now, with The Last of Us, I haven't played the video game. I'm familiar with the music because I listen to video game soundtracks when I write. So it was kind of fun to kind of go, "Hey, I'm kind of cool." When the show came out. <laughs> Um, but the premise behind that with their zombies is that it's a it's a, a fungus that's infected you. And in the animal world, there's a fungus that takes over a bug and it slowly takes over its body and imitates parts of its you know organs and such. And the bug the entire time is kept alive. And finally, I think eventually the fungus leads the body to, I don't know, like uh, to its prey um, so that the fungus can then go on to infect another another body and move on from there and there. And I have heard about that in the bug world. The bug world is terrifying. I feel like you could take a lot of inspiration for horror from the bug world. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah. The, the idea that you're infected and that's what the zombie represents is, you know, um, pandemics and illness. Well, um, did you see the uh, Will Smith movie? Um, I am legend. Years ago when it first came out. So my memory is a little shaky. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is exactly what you're talking about. The 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 movies uh, loaded with zombies. Uh, they call them dark seekers, but uh, in my opinion, it's the best zombie movie ever made. And it's exactly that. It was a a Crippen virus that it, people that it didn't kill it resurrected as these dark seekers that feed on anything that's alive including other you know people um so well done that movie usually you want if if you feel like getting creeped out and get a good scare um watch it yeah yeah one example i have of a non i guess scary revival fantastical 
and I was really trying to think about this. Like, I'm like, okay, uh, Jon Snow and Game of Thrones. Have you seen Game of Thrones? I did not. Okay. Well, I'm just going to spoil it for you then. Cause... That's fine, because I'll <laughs> never binge watch something that long. <laughs> That's like when you're sick, you turn that on. And you yeah. get started when you're sick. Okay. Um, Jon Snow, uh, by the time you get to, I don't even know what season, way towards the end, he is he's killed off um, by one of his own guys, a kid, actually. And he's put on this table and... Meanwhile, all the fans that are watching this are like, what's going to happen? And to me, this is like the standard hero's journey, right? So resurrection is a huge part of the hero's journey. The hero's journey doesn't really become the hero until they've died and come back in, in many examples. And so here's another one. And Jon Snow gets resurrected by the, uh, oh, the Game of Thrones people are going to be mad at me. The Red Sorceress, <laughs> Melisandre, I think is her name. Um, I am so sorry. I forgot that. But anyway, she, he gets resurrected and only then is it's like, oh, okay. Now he's the, the hero that was promised. Um, and that's a really interesting idea, like plot structure for resurrection where you aren't actually who you're called to be until you've been through it. What what are your thoughts on that? Huh? Okay. That, that's, uh, um, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess it makes sense uh, from a, um, you know, fictional narrative point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's I, I don't think it's been done before, has it? It's been it's like, for example, Neo in The Matrix. Oh, oh gets killed. Oh. And then he just I, I've already complained about this already on here. Um, I hate true love's kiss brings someone back to life um but that's you know trinity brings him back to life but he's not the one until he's been killed yes 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 that's uh which is a fantastic premise and it's a a, a great movie um mm -hmm. yeah uh i mean generally i, it yeah. I mean it refers to jesus right jesus didn't prove his i get you know people there were doubters right that led to his uh being put on the cross and then three days later he shows up resurrected and now he's oh yeah you know like there's like this collective acknowledgement that he is that hero that he was saying he was but up until that point there was a lot of doubts right, right narratively i mean yeah which it still puzzles me um because uh his his inner circle watched him restore lazarus and Mm -hmm. And a uh, twelve-year-old girl, and um, you know, perform all these supernatural acts, uh, but th they they thought that death could defeat him, and they were surprised when they learned he it couldn't. Good point. Um, yeah, it's I don't know why they were surprised. Um, well, and even that happy. format is. I mean, I believe there are other. Uh, I have to refer to one of the 12 days of tropes episodes that I did on resurrections where a lot of other mythologies also have that same exact story structure. Um, a spiritual being dies and comes back is resurrected in some way, shape or form. So it's interesting to see that reflected across all these major religions of like a single being entity. And I, I always think about how does that, what does that mean for us as humans to be, What's the common thread? You know, why do we like that narrative so much? Is it because does it go back to Greek mythology where the sun sets and we're like, oh my God, the sun died. And then the sun came up. Oh, okay, we're okay. We'll live another day. You know what I mean? Like, does it go as far back as that? Like, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like I say, the last great frontier is also the 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 greatest fear. Um, Edgar Allan Poe called it the last great change. But mm -hmm. uh it's it's the only thing that science can't explain you know eventually right mm -hmm. uh, um you just just imagine twenty thousand bc bunch of or thirty thousand you know bunch of uh cave dwellers in altamira um they had the same questions that we have now uh where did we come from who made us um where do we go after we die? They had 
funerals. They they're finding uh, you know fifty thousand year old corpses buried with tools and and things like that. Um, man hasn't changed. Humanity. I got. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be pronoun ignorant here, but humanity hasn't changed. Um, it's the technology has advanced. Science has and peace. So we're not always at war allowed science to advance and science has answered a lot of those questions, but there's one great question that everybody, you know, where did I come from and where am I going? So that's why it fascinates us. Um, you know, everybody wants to know. And, mm -hmm. uh, there are some people that just, uh, they've sort of given up and they go, uh, you know, when I'm dead, there's nothing. It's just eternal blackness. Um, these are very unhappy people <laughs> that, that that everyone else is like, well, I'm doing all this stuff here on earth, you know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make my mark in the world and leave children behind and everything else. What's my reward? Mm. You know, what, what's the, what's the uh, pot of gold at the end? And and uh, most people want to believe there's something beyond physical death. So that's what that's why everybody's fascinated. Mm -hmm. You know, if you could choose to come back again after death, would you prefer to remember your past life or continue on in ignorance? Oh, I'd want to remember it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, wouldn't you all, all life's lessons and, and all that? I think so. I think so. I think I lived a life where I feel like I've, I've learned a lot so far and I'd like to be able to bring that with me. I feel like there's so many mistakes and accidents that be nice to not have to <laughs> relive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. how, what if it was selective? So, mm -hmm. all right. Let me give you an example. You are uh, St. Bartholomew was skinned alive Oof. for his faith, skinned alive. Um, let's say he dies and in the resurrection, uh, he's given a new body and, and vast knowledge and the trust of the great bio programmer uh, uh, trusts him because of the faith he showed right to the very end. And, and, um, and he asked him the question, do you want to remember the last couple hours of your life? Well, what's he going to say? Mm. No, no way. I, I, I don't ever want to relive that memory. What if it could be selective? What oh. if you can, what if you could remember the people you love, your family, uh, the, the, the beautiful moments with those people, but you could just flick a switch and, and forget all the times people broke your heart, stole from you, lied to you. You could just forget all that. Yeah. That, that'd be a good solution. Well, that actually segues into the next question, which was in any form of resurrection, what is a scary downside? To coming back after death and i would think that's a really good answer for that if you were to remember how you died and all the trauma associated with that and all the negativity exactly exactly and you know it's um the undertaker's daughter not to do a complete spoiler but um we do have resurrection of a very very bad soul um and that was not the intent. It was supposed to be a simple program, an operating system in a box. But it turns out some wires, ethereal wires get crossed. Uh -huh. And the original inhabitant of the corpse who was executed for his crimes uh, is back. So, yeah. yeah, that's a downside. <laughs> You're like, whoops, yeah. not what I had planned. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it can take simple commands, but it also, it blends with that criminal agenda that it had. So you might recall this, the title of the story better than me. Um, I think it's a Poe story. 
it could also not be but it's it's the uh, it's when someone is given wishes and to varying you know negative outcomes and finally one of the wishes is for someone that has recently passed to come back and as the uh, when the person shows up the idea is that the person literally came back straight out of the grave like they're yeah. not who they are do you know that story i'm talking about monkey's paw yes do you want yeah. to tell that story you might tell that story better than me if you remember oh yeah yeah no that's an old classic um um uh husband and wife living um with their son uh the son dies and um uh they are crushed he's their entire world and they loved him so much and um they uh alleged they buy an alleged magical monkey's paw like a taxidermy's paw uh that grants three wishes <clears throat> and Again, like simple commands, they wish for the return of their son with no details. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we wish him to uh, we wish time to turn back two months yeah, and have him return as he was. No, no, it, it it's all about, you know, be careful what you wish for. They said, we want our son back. And then, um, you know, there's knocking at the door and. It's their son as he is now, decomposed, and uh, yeah, that it's 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 a great thread. I use I tap it in one of my stories, um, uh, uh, called family plot. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been done. It's been redone. Uh, it's one of the classic tropes, if you will. Yes, and I was wrong. It wasn't by Poe. By W.W. Jacobs, correct? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It was not Poe. All right. Um, yeah. I saw a stage performance of it. And that moment when their son is arriving at the door, they used really impressive silhouette um, lighting to kind of show that there's this hideous form and you don't really see what they look like. And I think that they cancel it out right when she opens the door. So when she opens the door, there's nothing there. Um, but I was really young when I saw that and it stuck with me. It was a really powerful scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I could see why. Uh -huh. Did you, do you remember the night gallery with Rod Serling? I don't, you, you might need to refresh my memory. <laughs> well, it was seventies. So you're okay. Then I don't I'm, think I'm, I've seen it. No, I'm almost 60 years old. So I was a kid when I saw that and, and they had, um, it was a, a regular, terrestrial tv series which is all you had back then no cable or or uh, streaming um and it was horror and yeah it was a, a um a take on the monkey's paw where uh this great actor roddy mcdowell um essentially murders his uncle and buries him in the family plot with the intent of inheriting all of the uncle's wealth and there's a painting on the wall of the family plot. And, um, you know, there's Roddy McDowell sipping his brandy and smoking his cigar. <laughs> and uh, he's staring at that, that art on the wall. And, you know, the, it changed there. Suddenly there's a new fresh grave with fresh dirt heaped on top and he's mm -hmm. staring at it. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, uh, you look at Roddy's face and then, He's still staring at the picture and his eyes get wider. The grave is open. The dirt oh. is blown all out and the headstone fell down. And then you see this, this character character in a black suit that he was buried in lurching scene by, you know, uh, scene by scene towards the house. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> and then, um, uh he dies of fright and and uh it turns out that ozzy davis the uh butler great actor staged the whole thing had a bunch of different paintings drawn up and he did this because he was next in line to inherit oh so he's sitting there sipping his brandy and smoking his cigar and staring at a, at the painting which has changed and now has a, a second fresh grave. And this time it's not manipulated. 
Roddy McDowell comes back oh. and kills Ozzy. Yes, wow. it, it, it stuck with me all these years. It's one of the best horror shorts ever. I love it. That's so good. I know. I know. It's on YouTube. Okay, I'll check it out. So, what was it yeah. called again? Uh, Night Gallery, and and they they had a pilot for the Night Gallery, which turned out to be you know a series, but it was one of three stories that was part of that original pilot. So I, I would look under night gallery uh, pilot. Okay. So what, if what should a writer considering writing about resurrection? No. What, what is your advice? Uh, uh, just, you know, firm up in your mind, your own beliefs um, because you can't, excite other people unless you excite yourself okay and how how involved should they get with anatomical things well i think very because you know if the uh, like stephen king says you know um uh, what what is horror um you know terror is is feeling dread that something frightening is going to happen horror is the shock and the repulsion of seeing it so if you want to cover the full and and then there's just stephen king says i'm i'm not above going for the gross out mm. okay oh well he so, wrote the ra uh was it called the raft did you read that short story oh, where I these kids these kids are riding on a raft and there's a black blob in the, in yes. the river yes yeah yeah yeah. And one guy, like the blob, you know, reaches up and grabs him down and, you know, he that's, you know, he's a monster basically. Yep. But one guy yep. is lying on the raft and the blob comes up through the wood, through like a little hole and, and pulls him down him through, pulls the, him yep. through the hole. And Stephen King defines everything that happens to that guy physically as he's getting squeezed through this tiny little hole. And I watched, I read that when I was a kid because my dad had a, a collection of Stephen King shorts. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was a little traumatized. It was so graphic. Yep. Yep. Um, I rem I recall that story uh, uh, intimately. And and yeah, I mean, that's what if if you're serving the horror genre, you deliver terror, you deliver horror and the gross out. Um, and you know, I've been criticized, uh, but also highly complimented on the anatomical gross outs that I have, uh, in, in my published work. Um, one, one reviewer, uh, said, um, I, this story scared the sleep out of me. I literally lost sleep wow uh, yeah you're so, like thank you <laughs> i i know really that was a mic drop moment for me i said yes i am my work is done here Perfect. But the, what about yeah. people that aren't doing horror but they want to explore resurrection like a fantasy story or sci-fi well yeah i mean uh i like i like i say stephanie meyer did a great job with it um with their uh, non-horror vampire books <laughs> yeah but um well, it depends. Uh, again, a, a good story is a good story. And what, you know, if you understand what makes a good story, what engages people, um, you know, you have uh, you, you have relatable characters and, and um, uh, you, you know, they meet with challenges over and over. And each time they try to resolve the challenge, they just sort of dig their hole deeper. Uh, and finally, at the end, due to some you know, it might be super strength or uh, emotional strength, physical strength, ingenuity, whatever. They solve the problem, and uh, that that's the general path of a of a story. You know, every story, right? Mm -hmm. um, every good story that's that's lasted. Uh, there's a hero. You know, yeah. so so yeah. If 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 you work resurrection in i mean what's the greatest story ever told right it's uh like you mentioned it um christ uh uh peacefully gave up his life uh as a ransom for sinners and uh came back and revealed himself to them and and others 500 plus people 
Um, and you know, so that, that story is the greatest ever told. There's movies called the greatest story ever told. It's all about the, the story of Christ. So, you know, if it's a compelling story, you have to figure out a way to work resurrection into it, following the story, you know, format. So it doesn't have to be horror. It could be, it could be a happy thing. Uh, mm -hmm. some like terms of endearment, except uh, she lives at the end. She dies, but comes back, you know, yeah. or it's the inciting incident. She comes back and now what is she going to do? Right. Her life. Resurrected. Yeah. Yeah. She finds the, she devotes her life and actually finds the cure to the major cancers. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really interesting hour and spooky hour, actually. So do you have any final notes and promos that you'd like to leave us with? No, just um, uh, thank you for having me. It was a great chat. And um, I would recommend you and any of your uh, fans and listeners check under your bed every night because that thing you think lives there does. And one of these days, it's going to come out. It's going to come up at the foot of the bed and eat you feet first, alive and screaming. And then drag you down and and you're going to be squished through a tiny little opening under your bed, anatomical, detailed and everything. All teeth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Speculative Sandbox is a volunteer-run podcast that relies on the collaboration of fellow creators like you. Join the conversation and participate in fun polls and questionnaires on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Interested in being in a future episode? Our DMs are open, or you can email speculativesandbox at gmail.com.